0: drink here right continuing on the whys of life going to talk about what I spoke on the last time I did speak and didn't finish or did finish but you can never finish with that thank you so much brother why is love so important the whys of life so here on the front of the of the bulletin there, it says on July 4th, 1776, the 13 colonies claimed their independence from England. Yes. So we want to talk about our independence from the kingdom of darkness. Yes. And there's only one way that you and I are ever going to be independent from darkness, and that is if we live a life of love. Yes. Nothing else. You can try, you can... Do everything you do, but if you do not, if I do not, if we do not walk in love, we are not going to be independent of the kingdom of darkness. Step out of the love walk, sickness, disease, poverty, hate, jealousy, anger, malice, bitterness, it's all there. But when we walk in love in the kingdom which has been made available to us, the kingdom which cannot be shaken, we will have what God says we can. So that's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, so that we can now be like God and live like him and also give to others. So love is the only thing that is going to enable us to be independent from the kingdom and the power of darkness. So we're going to look at that. We're going to do a lot of things today. So for first-time visitors, this is not a normal service, so just bear with us, please. Um, I'm just going to show a a video quickly. I I don't think that everyone is aware that we have a a TV program. The church has a TV program and it is, it's every week. And if you go to our website, www.harvestrenewal.org on the top where it says media, if you click on media, the third heading under that says Raymer interventions, television or TV, and if you click on that, it will tell you what time and where this program airs on television. Of course, Comcast is different than Verizon. If you live on the south side, it's different than the Tri-Cities or City of Richmond. So all the information is on there. So this just happened, I, I use the word happened very likely that a dear lady was doing this TV program for 16 years, and she... Became a little older and a little older and eventually just didn't have enough energy and time to do this. And the Lord spoke to her and said, give this to Rifle. So I'm doing a, a, we're doing a, on Tuesday night we have a foundations class. And I said just last week, God will make you look good. God just does things without you even. And and he's so good that he makes you look good. So people come, they say, you on TV? You have a TV program? How did that happen? I said, the goodness of God is nothing else. I didn't pray for it. I didn't, I just, it was God. So Caleb and Emily went around the city of Richmond, took pictures of things and put it on there and passed Manuel is doing the editing and the filming. So a lot of people from the church are doing a lot in this program. So if you've never seen it, or if you don't know about it, you can see it on the website. I'm just going to show you th- Three minutes, so you can see what it looks like. Some have never seen this. Thanks, Ben, if you can roll that. Brain. Brain.
1: Intervention. Brain. Brain. Intervention. Intervention. Brain. Brain. Intervention. Intervention. Brain. Intervention.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to RaME Interventions TV broadcast. Uh, this is Pastor Rifle. We have our Tim here with us today again. We are both from Harvest Renewal Church. Come out and visit us if you have any time. We are situated at 822 West Franklin Street in the city of Richmond. Okay, well, <laughs> I tried. i tried so in any case that's what it looks like and we just it's every week and so you can go to the website if you don't have a television or you don't have public broadcasting it's on youtube if you just plug in the search engine rhema interventions television it's there so that's that so we have a lot of people on from our church that join me in the program and interviews and just what god is doing so it's really good Um, Talking about love, um, I want to read a couple of of letters here that these are from boys, these are from men, these are from women in prison that they write to to us through me because you send me out and I go into the prisons and just teach and do what God has told me to do And, and these people, young boys as I say, Men and women write letters and just thank us, you know, for, for what we are doing. And the love that, that comes out of this church is just so amazing. You know, Jesus said, go and visit in church. Come and see me. And it's, it's a great thing to go in and visit people in jail or prison. But a visit only does so much. Because you go and you see them. And when you leave, you know, what do you leave them? Oh, well, that guy came to visit me. It was great, but now he's gone. What do I do now? So God himself has opened a door for us to be able to go in and actually teach in prison on a weekly basis. It's not just going in saying, hi, God loves you, and walking out. So these are just some of the letters, but I want you to really, really understand the magnitude of what we are doing because of love. I really, really, really want you to understand that. Because financially there's no pay. The state lets you know that very quickly. You are a volunteer and you will receive nothing for coming in here, riding to all these different places, doing what you do. There's no money. You you first and foremost, that is what you have to understand. But because you people give and you people sow into this, we can go. And at the the danger of wanting to read these letters sounding like I may seek recognition of man, I'm going to read the letters because I'm the face of the church in the prison. Not everyone can go. Not everyone would want to go. Not everyone is called to go into prison. It's just, you know, there's some people that it's, it's, it's not a nice place. You don't want to go there. It's, sometimes it's You know, scary things happen there. Good things, bad things, and it's not for everyone. But praise God, there are people that have been called. I love it. I love going in there, speaking to the men, women, just bringing love and just bringing light. So when I read these letters, it's these people writing to me, but I thank you because we are doing this together. So whenever you hear my name or what they're saying, thank you for sending me. There are people that give every single month. There are some people that give a large amount of money. And there are some people that give a small amount of money. But that's what they have to give. And every month they sow into the people in prison. So whether you give $5 or 500 or 5000 God sees your giving and your heart towards this ministry. And I thank you so much. One gentleman I speak to him very often and he just flat out says, he says, I have such a heart for people in prison, but I can't go. I've got a job. I can't, I can't do what you do, but I want those people reached. So it's a joy to give into this ministry because I'm going in with you, even though I'm sitting at my office in a job doing that. So I'm just going to read a couple of letters here and then we'll talk about loving our lives. Okay. This, well, some of these letters came about, it was the Monday before uh, Memorial Day, when I went in my my classes on a Monday night. I have two, just over two hours, which is wonderful, because the people can't go anywhere. (laughs) In church, if you don't like the message, you can leave. That's okay, but in prison, you can't. So you're going to listen for two hours, whether you like it, don't like it, agree with me, don't agree with me, want to hear what I say, don't want to hear you there for two hours. So it's just an amazing opportunity. So this Monday night, I was, I I hit a couple of things very, very hard and I don't mess around with certain topics and, and love is one of them. Becoming love, not doing love every now and then, but be love. Don't do love, be love. The other one is identity. And the other one is to take responsibility for yourself, for your life. Stop being like Adam and Eve in the garden. It's the wife you gave me, and it's everyone else's fault that you are here. But you need to go and look in the mirror and say, you know what? This is on me. I did it. I need to man up. I'm wrong. And until we can reach that point, and there are a lot of people that are not Locked behind four walls and four bars. But I'm telling you that you are in prison. You can be walking down the street on the outside. But you are more in prison than those guys and women and young boys in the, in the jail or the prison behind bars. Freedom is not a place that you find yourself in. Freedom comes from the inside out. So I was speaking on love and I hammer love every week. I don't, I don't mess around in there. You got Our program in the prison is amazing because there used to be 20 in a class. And what happened is there are a lot of churches that go in, a lot of ministries, and a lot of people that go into prison, which is great. But many of them concentrate on the wrong thing. They're very, very, very sin conscious. And believe you me, you don't have to tell a man or a lady who's been locked up that you did wrong. You don't have to hammer the fact that they broke the law. They know it. So to weekly just go on and on and on and tell them how bad and if you get out and you do it again, you coming back to, you know, that it doesn't work. It doesn't change anybody. So there are a lot of people that go in. But when you can go in and, you know, what you behold, you become. If you can preach love and grace and identity and and those kind of things, it changes the heart. It's all a heart issue. So I was speaking very, very hard on love And these, some men in the class, you have to understand, these are people that killed somebody. These are people that raped. These are people that molested children. These are not people that stole a pencil behind the chair on a Sunday and walked out of church. And some of the men in the class started crying. And I felt really bad because that's the last thing I want to do is to go into prison and make you feel bad, just for bad sake. If you feel bad, it's because of sin and repentance that brings life. But they started crying and it it just didn't feel good. And then I had to leave because I only have a certain time. I have to be out by a certain time. And as much as I love the men and women in prison, I want to sleep with Tiffany in my own bed at night. (laughs) So I have to leave when the bell rings. So on my way home, I'm just talking to God, and I'm really not happy about the class. The next Monday is Memorial Day, so I can't see them in and apologize. So two weeks long, I've got this mulling in my mind that I was so sorry that I said these things in the way that I did, and you maybe perceived it wrong. So as I got into class the Monday after that, and I started speaking to him, I said, listen, I'm really, really sorry for the way I came across, and I apologize because it seems like it came you know, over a bit harsh. And that's not my intention at all. I'm not here. And one man in the back of the class stood up, which you don't do. He just stood up and he said, stop. And I was, oh, dear Lord. Okay, I'll, I'll stop. So he just said, because of you and because of the way you preach and what you preach, I have an understanding of love for the first time in my life says, my whole life revolved around me. When I was going to leave this place, because the people that are in this class leave within 18 months. They could be in there for 20 years, but this is 18 months or less, and you're going to be out. It's a re-entry program. So he was saying, because of the short time that I have spent with you, I understand love for the very first time. And when I was leaving, I was going to get a job and make money and do this. He says, but now my dream is to open up a 501c3 for young boys who are heading in the wrong direction so that they do not have to come to this place because of love. So another guy raised his hand and he said, you know, and eventually the one guy just stood up and he said, well, all we want to say is that you never ever have to apologize to us for what you preach, the way you preach, because you're the only one that challenges us in here to change. You're the only one who tells and speaks the truth in love, no matter how hard it is. But because of you, we have an understanding of love. What true love is, because we use the word, we speak about it, we hear it, but now we really, really understand. So don't ever again apologize. So that was good to hear. He wasn't angry at me for saying something. So here are just some of the letters I'm going to read. And uh, I say to the guys sometime in class, when life gets difficult or hard or you look around you and you wonder, are you really making a difference? And the enemy comes and says, your life, man, this and that. I can take out these letters and I read them to myself. And I got these, you know, these came last Monday and I was reading at home and Tiffany walked by. I said, are you crying again? <laughs> I'm like, yes, my love. <laughs> I'm crying again. So here's just a little bit here. Yeah. Dear Rifle, I first want to say thank you so much for your time and love you've given all of us. To tell you the truth, your class is the one I get the most out of, like renewing of the mind. It is the biggest thing that I have taken from your class. And I think what really started to open my eyes was when you put your hand on me and prayed over me when I was sick and coming off of drugs. This is in prison. In prison. So he's on drugs in prison, and he came to class one night, and he looked like death warmed up. He was just, man, he looked bad. He, you could see he had a cold. He was sick, flu. I don't know what it is, and he was sitting there, and I just, during the class, I just walked to him, and I said, man, you need, you need prayer. you sick. You don't look good, and I just stopped the whole class, and I asked him to stand up, and I went to him and just laid my hands on him and just, just prayed for him, and 10 minutes after that, I said, how are you feeling? Is that working? The spirit is working. It's healing you right now. And he say, I'm feeling just the same. I'm feeling just as bad. And, you know, you stand and you think, did that prayer really do anything? You stopped the class. You did this. You prayed. And he says he's not feeling better. Did it do anything? And he says, what really changed my life was, here you know, when you put your hands on me and prayed over me when I was sick and coming off of drugs, that really changed me. Thank you so much. So don't ever think that your prayer doesn't count, whether you see or don't see the result. You can turn your back around after you've said amen, and those people will remember that prayer. God can use that prayer years from now, even if you didn't see the immediate result. So praise Jesus for that. Thank you so much. Like I was saying, in order for me to be reborn in Christ, I have to change the way I think, act, talk, walk, and love. For so long, my thinking was not the best. I was always so selfish. I was always out for myself. The world was my idol, not God. I wasn't happy. Now that I'm trying to live a more righteous life, I've noticed I'm happier. Others aren't turning away. They're turning to me. Because I know I'm producing good fruit. And they know it also. I'm just all around becoming a better person. I have feelings for others. I'm learning that we slowly, have one, uh, we slowly have to love one another just as we love ourselves. And it used to be harder, but God is helping me a lot. I'm thankful to have God in my life. I know now that no matter what happens, as long as I do God's will for me, I will be all right. You have had the biggest impact on me in this program and in a long time. I don't know if it's because of your South African accent. <laughs> L-O-L. But I really think it's because of your love that you have for all of us and for God. I want you to know, Rifle, you're an amazing person. And then in the end he says, if no one has ever told you they love you, I love you. This is, these are hardcore Hardcore prisoners who, who have done some amazing in, the, in, in, in society's eyes, bad things, and some of these people, some of these people are in that prison with their mother or father. Some of the people are in the same prison as their same mom and dad. You talk about a cycle, you talk about people not knowing anything else. That's why they do what they do because they have not been taught to do anything else. Some people in there have never even met their children before. They've been in there for years, and their kids are grown up, and they've never seen or met their children. So this is amazing. Rifle, I want to thank you for coming out to this facility and sharing your life and the gospel with me. I really enjoyed your class. I can honestly say that your testimony and the way you share God's word was the most influential of all 12 months that I've been in this program. Your way of sharing love has helped me the most. I have had so many problems in my past with unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, anger. I never imagined how much love could heal the issues that I've had. My wife and I have been away from one another for four and a half years. I've never met my youngest son, and my daughter was 20 months old when I left. During that time, my wife started to use heroin and prostituting herself to support her habit. Uh, All the while, she never kept in touch with me. The longer I went without hearing from her, the more angry I got. I prayed constantly, but inside I was bitter. Over time, I can honestly say I felt hatred in my heart. But when I heard your message of love, it changed me. I knew the verses about love and I understood them. I just didn't know how to apply them. I battled with a question of how can I love someone that I hate or am angry at? And one night you answered that question with such a simple answer. Just love them and continue to do so and all of the anger and hatred will go away now I have forgiveness. I have forgiveness for myself and for her. I operate in love. Being love is such a blessing. You just not, uh, not just to you, but to others. My wife has truly went in a new, in, uh, my life has truly went in a new and interesting way. I still struggle, but not as much. Um, you know, it goes on like that. So I mean, these are some situations that are really, really hard and it, it's, it's amazing that love is the only thing that will change us. And they've been locked up for years, and they've had people go in there for years talking about change and this program and that program and one step to this. And, and when you go and you preach the love of Christ, there's a change of heart. Is this okay? I've got two more letters. Dear Rifle, the Word of God says that men look at a person's outward appearance, but God counts... And looks at a man's heart. In my opinion, you have been a prime example of this kingdom principle. The world looks at you and would cast you out as a messenger of the gospel. And then you open your mouth. God's love and grace pours from your lips and is obviously your driving motivation. You brought this to this program, a totally different approach to a familiar message you connected with us in a way that a lot of the other volunteers are unable to. I believe your greatest asset is your reliability factor. Uh, We look at you and see ourselves. We hear you and relate to you. Thanks to your segment on renewing the mind, my perspective on my walk with Christ is redefined. I learned that in order to grow in my Christian walk, I have got to change the way I think. I was under the impression that accepting Christ would totally change me. Through your class and my own studies, I came to understand that the regeneration of the Spirit doesn't change my mind. For a person who tends to desire instant gratification, the idea of a gradual change of mind was somewhat scary. But after weeks of you presenting this principle... I have grown an appreciation for the process of sanctification. I've come to understand that bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is as important as loving my neighbor and studying the word. I've come to understand that if I'm being the love that's so freely being given to me, that my thought process will follow. Your presentation of God's word transformed and challenged me very much into something much more enjoyable. You made studying the word simple. You seemingly effortlessly stood in front of us and preached God's word week after week after week. You took your time with the scripture, breaking it down into digestible portions. So often I feel like I'm putting forth so much effort into my walk, but see little to no results. Through your class, I came to grasp the idea that it's not about doing or not doing the stuff, but it's about being love. I learned that it is not just about understanding that Jesus loves me, but embodying it. It's about accepting the privilege that his shed blood afforded me to be just like he is. He is by yielding to the Holy Spirit. God's word teaches us that by being love, I can cover a multitude of sins. You reminded me that Jesus' love for me was so great that, uh, that he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He was the only sacrifice I would ever need to be made acceptable in the eyes of God. He died once for all, and that carries on. Some of these people can't read or write. You've got some people that are very, very educated, lawyers, pastors, you know, teachers. And then you've got people who literally come off the street who can't read or write. So they ask other people to help them with the letters when they want to write. Mr. Rifle, I, would, uh, I want to start by saying thank you for coming and putting time in with us. Thanks to your help, what you came and preached to us every Monday, you made me want to change. When you first started with renewing of the mind, um, I started doing what you said, and that really helped me with a lot of things. And then when you kept preaching about love and being love and not letting people make you mad because they can't, and you just be love with everything you do, it really hit me. For so long, I haven't been able to show love. And definitely not to be love. And I had a bad problem of letting people make me angry and get me all worked up. But with your help and doing what you said, I started little by little. I started to be more open and caring and letting people in. Every one of your classes hit me. And it has always hit me. And I was giving you praise and I'm going to throw my old time away. I always looked forward to your class. It was always the best start of my week. Mr. Rifle, I just want to tell you thank you for everything you have helped me to grow in so much. I'm going to be coming to your church when I get home. I like the way you preach, so I definitely want to check out your church. Thank you so much for helping me. And so they, I just picked up a couple of, of letters at home. Just thought I'd read them, but... You know, people say, How do you know you're making a difference? How do you know you're being successful? And you know the cliche, but it's not a cliche. If you've reached one, it was worth your time. You know? So going there and getting these letters. And the most amazing thing is because these men, women, young boys are in there, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in. The, the Christian life in there, because there's no freedom. So you don't have much time other than to read your Bible, pray, you know, do what you do in the prison. And when you come out, many of them don't follow up with the way God has touched them on the inside. But just these letters of people just saying and just talking to one and, and, and telling you, and you can see through the testimonies, because every week when I go in, you know, I ask, are there any testimonies? And guys would literally say, you know, when we work outside, these people would make me so angry. And because I was the head of the class, I could do this. And the one guy said, last week, this ignorant man, you know, did this again. And when I stood in front of him, I could have ridiculed really him. And I could, he said, but I couldn't do it, Rifle. He says, I stood there. I could physically not do it anymore. Because of you in my head saying, don't do it. I literally could not you know, dishonor that man even though he was in the wrong, even though I had the right, even though I could because of love. Because of how love has changed my heart, my actions I now see for the first time in my life are different. I've never had that before. And the place that I learned that was in a cornfield at this prison working with some other people that God showed me I'm not the same person that I used to be, that he has come in and changed me. So thank you so much. I mean, we are doing so much in there. And we are. if the only thing we are doing is giving people a chance to have a better life, it's well worth it. Because we all have a decision. We all have a choice every day. And you can do anything you want with the seeds that have been sown in your life. But if we are successful with one, we've made a great impact in life. So thank you so much for giving. I just wanted to share those letters, a couple of them with you because of your giving. Thank you so much. Okay. Why is love so important? Can we have John chapter 18, please? So we're going going to go a little bit deeper now because it's all good and well when you sit in a crowd of a lot of people and you give money towards something and that is working and the church is going out and the church is doing this and church is doing this, but you at home are not walking in love. So we're going to look at your and my walk at home because it's one thing to put money in a ministry and someone else goes and it's working, but when you leave the place and you go home, you are not love. So we're going to look at the man or the woman in the mirror right now. And how are we doing? Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that counts is your walk with God. You and I are going to stand before the Lord. He's not going to ask us, how was Joe and Little sister bucket mouth. How are they doing? What, what did they cause you? And you can't say that it's their fault and I never knew. It's going to be me and what I did with the love of God. So John eighteen thirty three to 36 This is the only guy who gets this. This is the only guy who was allowed so close to Jesus because of the way he saw the love of Christ, that he pens this down, and we've got to get this. John the Beloved is the only one who writes this. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So get this, three times in one sentence Jesus says why he's doing what is happening, what's taking place is because of his kingdom. And John gets this. John was there, he heard, he's the only one who writes about the kingdom in this manner. And if you and I want to be free from the kingdom of darkness, we have to do things according to the way that the kingdom works. And the kingdom is driven by one thing. Love. John the Beloved got this. John the Beloved penned this down. I mean, they tried to boil him in oil. But the love on the inside of him was hotter than the oil that they put him in, that he could not die. The love on the inside of him, man didn't know how to handle or what to do with him. So they were because of that love that we just don't know how to handle. Just throw him away. Take him to a place where no one will ever get to him again. And bam, the Lord Jesus Christ goes down himself and gives him the book of Revelation. Because of love. John got this. And if you and I want to walk free from anything that the kingdom of darkness has, we have to walk in love. John 13, verse 34 and 35, the same apostle writes, and we know this very well, we can quote this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And we spoke about last time, I said that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's great to be a wonderful prophet. It's great to be an amazing teacher, evangelist, pastor. Paul writes about moving mountains, having all the wisdom in the world. But if we do not have love, man, you're just a clanging bell, clanging cymbal. Nathan enjoys playing the drums. And believe you me, a clanging cymbal early in the morning... Late at night, afternoon is not a pleasant sound. And when he starts playing, because you say to him, okay, you can play for a while, and he keeps on, and he bangs, and he bangs, even though it doesn't matter how much you say to yourself, I'm not going to get angry, I told him he can play. That sound over and over and over and over again, it gets to you. And people walking in the Word and walking in church and walking in God, but not walking in love will get to people. Because this is how they will know that you are a lover of Jesus by the way you love others. That's the only way we are going to become independent of anything that the enemy can throw at us because love never fails. And so many people, we have, man, all of us, every human being has such amazing gifts, so many talents, a great call upon your life. And many people go very far because of the gifting. But man, if there's not love and character behind the gifting, that just becomes detrimental to your walk. And let us be a people that walk in love more than in our gifting because out of the love the gifting will work. But the love never comes because of the gifting. And each and every one of us are gifted. No matter where you go, you have the greater one living on the inside of you, no matter where you go, you're not just normal. You have he that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of you. And wherever you go, you are amazing. And you can choose to not use that amazingness, if that is a word, or you can choose to be amazing wherever you go because of love. It's as simple as that. If we look at the life of the disciples, Matthew's uh, gospel here, Jesus talks to them, and he says, You grew up a certain way, and you and I were all there because we were born into Adam. So sin, don't get bent out of shape because of sin, because everyone, you and I, were there. We were born into sin. We could not help it. So when your child acts up and the child is not reborn, Get over it. That's what they do. If people who are not reborn in the world act strange and do crazy things, that's what people do who are not righteous because it's a heart issue. So instead of getting angry, and how could they easy? Because that's the root that they are born into. But God didn't say just judge and point the finger. He's like, go after them and reveal to them the love that I have for you, that changed you, and I have for them that I want to change them. Rather than criticizing, be love. So here we read Jesus saying, you grew up a certain way. You heard certain things. You walk in a certain way because that's the only thing you know. And you can't do anything different. Hence some of these men and women in prison. You know that there are boys in the juvenile prison that have been incarcerated. This is their fifth time that they've been arrested at 15 And you sit there and you think to yourself, me with my little normal life, 15, you've been five times, you've been in jail. And then you sit down and you talk to that young boy and you hear the life that he has had. And then you think to yourself, how could you not do things worse than what you did after everything that you have been through? It's so amazing that you've just done this and this and this. If that were me, at 15, and people did what they did to you. My goodness, I'm telling you. And that's what Jesus says. That guy can only do that because he knows nothing else. He didn't have a daddy that loved him, didn't have a mommy, didn't have a teacher, peer, cousin, friend that could show him anything loving. He just knew heartache, abuse. So he doesn't know any other way to act. So Jesus comes and he says here in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, You have heard. That it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without cause, and Jesus goes on and explains there. So Jesus says, it was okay, because under the law, and it was told to you, it's okay to live a certain way. But now that I have come, now that my kingdom is here, now that the spirit of God that I have is going to dwell in you, I say to you, you can't live that way anymore, even though it was okay for a while. But you've got to stop with that. Because love demands a higher way of walking. Grace demands a higher way of walking. And not only does grace demand that, but grace empowers you to walk there, so it shouldn't be difficult. It's not that God says, right, now that love and grace is here, you have to obey and do this. He's saying, now that love and grace is here, you can. You are able to walk this way. So stop walking in the way that was okay for a while. Stop doing the things that you couldn't help doing. But now that my kingdom has come, you are able to walk in love and grace. So he carries on, verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her already has committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus just raises the bar. And if you don't understand grace, if you don't understand love, you will read this and think, I can't do that. This is too difficult. That's impossible. But he wouldn't tell us to do anything if he would not give us the grace and the power to be able to do that. So we can't live the way we used to live. We have to live a different way, which is called the loving way, laying down our lives for others. You know, we all grow up in different families. We hear different things. I remember playing rugby at school, and as a young boy, our one coach would tell us, I don't want you to come off the rugby field without blood on your boots. Boots are not not these. What Cleats. He used to say, blood on the cleats, boys, before you ran up. That was, that was his motivational speech. That's how we play. That's, and you just grew up with that. That was, okay, we're going to, we're going to kill now. We're going to, we're going to play a game, but we, you come off, you, man, you, you must hurt people. And you hear that from that big, that big, that big until that's the only thing you know. People don't even have to say that anymore. When you run onto the field, what are you going to do? You're just going to hurt someone as bad as you can because that's the way you were brought up. So Jesus says it's okay to play like that in life for a while, but now that I have come, we're not going to play like that anymore. When you're lying on the ground and they want to get blood from you, turn the other cheek. And now that sounds like, well, I'm not just going to lie to them. And Jesus is saying there, He's saying, when you live this love life, it's not even possible for them to get to you because when you hide yourself in the light, they can't find you. And Jesus proved that over and over again. When they tried to push him off a cliff, they picked up stones. And the Bible says they looked at each other and they said, where did he go? Where did he go? And he walked straight right through them. What was he doing? Turning the other cheek. He wasn't saying, slap me silly. Here, come. See how hard you can give it to me. Because he's walking in love. He's hidden from the power of darkness. So that's what love and that's what light will do. It will hide us from the enemy. But because the enemy has had his way for so long and I need to get mine. I need to give them a piece of mind, I need to tell them that's what he wants. Because when you do that now, you just draw all of that. You've just sown seeds of discord and anger that's coming back. Jesus carries on. He says in verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you. So Jesus is saying, this was okay, but now this is what I ask. This was okay, but now this is what I ask. And when people look at our lives, they should only be able to see, this is what I ask part. That when they look at us and they think, how is it possible that you don't overreact and you don't lash out and you don't, because... The grace of God enables me to walk this way. And I so desire to walk in the light that darkness cannot find me. Simple example, when you turn on the light, darkness has to go away. And when we walk in the light, the darkness around us, it has to subside. It can't stay because light, no matter how small it is, is stronger than darkness, is more powerful than darkness. So this is what Jesus was getting at when he speaks about our love life. Paul goes on, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. The one guy mentioned it in the letter. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. That's the way the kingdom works. And if we can pull down strongholds, if we can come against every thought that comes into our minds that is not of God... And we can bring that thought into the obedience of Christ. That is mighty. That is powerful. That will overcome darkness. That will overcome fighting. And all these things that are wicked and evil out in the world. It's because people don't want to do what the word says and become love. And it's so powerful, this love thing. And it's so, we've, we, we grew up with love just being this word that you throw out there. But man, when you read and you see what love can actually do, who would not want to walk in that? Who would not want to have that power that the world cannot get to me for no other reason than me becoming love? So Jesus carries on and he says to them, many, many things. Matthew 17 verse 22 to 23. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. So one would think, I mean, this message that Jesus explains what's going to happen, what is going to come next, they are sorrowful. So one would think, shame, and these guys, they don't, they don't really understand anything. They don't have wisdom of the Holy Spirit. They sorrowful, let's read the next verse, 18.1. At that time, when they are so sorrowful, when they really, really don't understand what Jesus is saying and they're going away, how sorrowful are they? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, oh man, don't go, we will be with you, we got your, no, no, no. At that time, they came and they said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We are so sorrowful that you are going, but who's going to be the greatest amongst us? (laughs) Just before you leave, come on, just. Who's the man among the 12? And this is not the only time that it happens. It happens over and over. And Jesus says, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Don't you get it? And they just carry on. They just carry Who's the greatest? And these are people who walk with Jesus but because Jesus has been raised and given us Holy Spirit, now he says to us, like he said to these guys, he called them at another example, we'll end here, but Jesus calls them and he says to them, the greatest among you, I can imagine them sitting at the table, <sighs> will be the servant, And he just absolutely blows that whole argument of, You know, if you read in chapter 17 what happens, you've got the transfiguration on the mountain. You've got Peter who has just caught a fish with money in its mouth. I mean, he must have been thinking, well, Jesus paid my tax and he's at the same time. (laughs) Got to be me. I was on the mountain. I saw all of that. It's got to. And Jesus says, guys, you're missing the point. Don't miss the point. The greatest of you will be the best lover, the servant, the one who gives. And then he referred to himself. And that's the only way we are going to be great in this kingdom on this earth over here is by walking in love, is by serving others just like Jesus has come to serve us with his life. So let us not be a people who talk about who's got the greatest call. Wow, Pastor, how many people have you led to the Lord? Okay, you? Okay, I'm still, oh man, yes. I'm. Let us be a people that how many more can we lead? How can we help others? How can we bring more into the kingdom? What can we do to lay down more of ourselves, to walk in love so that we can be totally independent from the kingdom of God, uh, darkness? Let's be a people that love and walk in that every single step of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we are just so grateful that Jesus, you came and you, you showed us what love looks like. You came and you lived a life of love. And we can walk in the same manner that you did because you gave us the same spirit that you had. Thank you, Jesus, for your, your patience. Your grace and your kindness that enables us to walk in the way that you said. You used to walk that way. It was okay. But now that I have come, I ask you to walk in a different way. The way of love. Thank you that you enable us to do that. Your love is so amazing. Thank you that you have loved us and your love has changed us. And now we can walk in love towards others. We love you and we thank you for this. And we bless you in Jesus' name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay. Pastor Doug. Wow,
2: that wasn't that great. Let's give thanks to God this morning. That was so powerful, Rifle. Wow. Man, I tell you, you just you you repeated it just the way I told you. And it was it's amazing. It's just, <laughs> I just—we got a few minutes left here this morning. Uh, We will definitely, as we dispense, if you need prayer today for anything at all, we'd love to pray with you. Have that honor to do that. When Cindy and I moved here back in 2000, God—we didn't know much, (laughs) you know, but we did know a few things of what God wanted this church to be and to become. And that God has spoke to our hearts that it would be a church of restoration for lives, a church of transformation. And thirdly, it would be a church that would send people out. That we would be a church that as time would go on over and over and over again to be able to have the opportunity to send people out. If you ever study much about the New Testament churches, there were two churches that were made noted of quite a bit was the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch. Both powerful churches, but they were both very different from one another in how they did church. And one of the things that separated out the church of Antioch was it was a church of great discipleship, but it was also a church that sent out people all over the world. It would be a thing that, that it seemed like the church in Jerusalem people would gravitate there and just kind of be there. Uh, that's one reason why I, I believe that uh when persecution began to came what it did it 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 forced people to go out but in anti the church in antioch that it was it was in the DNA of that church to know that we are to equip people, we are to disciple people to see their lives transformed. And we are to send them out. And uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, uh, it took me a while to really get that as a pastor. You know, because <laughs> I just want to, you know, as a pastor, you want to bring them in. You just just stay, 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 stay longer, longer, more, more, more. And uh, but then as God began to just continue to speak, begin to understand and realize what a great honor to be able to send people out. You know, I look at, where is, uh, where is, uh, there, Scott. You know, several months back, we had the opportunity to sow Scott and Lisa out, to sow them into the, to the ministry at Radical Love Ministries and where they're leading and doing an amazing job. And I tell you, what, what an honor to do that. And so we want to pray for a family today has been a part of this church for a very long time. But it's time that they are to be sent out. And uh, it is God's call, God's hand upon them. Uh, they are in the process of just of saying, okay, God, what is that next step for us? God is repositioning them. And so I want to ask the pains to come up here. And uh, Chip, you know, some of you may not realize Chip was... A part of our staff, he was associate pastor here for many years with me. Several years back, God said it's time to begin to uh, to begin the next journey for him, and he's still on that journey. and uh, And so, uh, hey, girls. And so, I'm just gonna let Chip just share anything that's on your heart, buddy. We want to pray for you.
1: Um, some of you might be surprised that we're here, but this really has been a part of a longer journey that Pastor Doug alluded to. Um, um, All of us are here except for my oldest daughter, Hannah. She's at the Riva with some friends, and and so we wanted to let her be blessed and have that time um, with one of her best friends. But, um, you know, almost three years ago, the Lord came to me and told me he'd been preparing me and speaking to me about a transition, and I ended up coming off staff and um, at that time, we really assumed that in this journey, you know, our, our thought was, well, wow, Lord, you're going to move us into a new place. You're going to open a door for us in a new city, um, and there will be a natural transition that will come, and we'll be able to get up in front of the congregation with Pastor Doug and Cindy and go, wow, we're moving to Nashville, or we're moving somewhere else, and this is the Lord sending us out, and... Um, that during this process, it just has that hasn't happened yet. And more and more I'm realizing the the journey of Abram. Leave what you know and your family to and begin your journey. And when you when you get there, I'll show it to you. And I, I was telling Scott on Friday night, I asked my wife if I could have a kitchen pass and go to Radical Love just to have some time to myself. And I told Scott, I said <laughs> I said to my, I said to Scott I said this journey has been really uncomfortable and at times I do not like it because faith requires the unknown it requires risk and it requires a dependency and a stretching of faith of do I really believe God is good and is he who he says that he is? And the whole time the enemy's going, see, 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 ah! you know. And so, but in a number of months ago, this is um, the Lord came to me, I, the Lord, someone sent me from this church a prophetic word, so it's y'all's fault. So, <laughs> Someone from this church sent me a prophetic word that they had seen. I'm not telling. <laughs> but it was one of your elders. But anyway. <laughs> so, um, but I read the prophetic word. and It was basically, you have to let go of the old in order for you to be able to receive the new. Now, I'm paraphrasing it greatly. But when I saw that, it just was like the, whole, the spirit of God just hit me. And he says, it is time for you to fully let go. And I, I mean, I had much fear and trepidation on me. I just knew that I knew that I'd heard the Lord. And I went to my wife and she was on her phone with her best friend and, and I just said, I need to talk to you. And she said, hold on, Lisa. And she said, what about? And I said, well, I need to talk to you about Harvest. And she says, oh, I already know the Lord spoke to me. It's time for us to leave. Now, most of you don't know Kat and I intimately enough, but those that do know us know that when we hear like that, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal And it's and and most assuredly it's the lord when we have that moment of of we've heard the spirit of god We've come into unity with him and So we talked with doug and cindy and and I wish I could say hey god's opened a door for us We're moving to a different city and we're this is a natural transition What I can tell you most assuredly is that I am called to the wider body of christ and, and there are three things that, that I've been hearing for and I've been saying for a long time. For many years, I would come up here and I would say, you are bigger than you think you, think you are. How many of you ever remember me saying that? You are bigger than you think you are. Um, the Lord opened up some doors for me here in the city, and I've been ministering in different churches, and I went to a church in the East End. And the, the thing that kept coming up by the Spirit of God as I was preaching this message to the people was: Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Which goes back to what Pastor Rifle was saying wherever he went about. There he is <laughs> about identity. About identity. And part of my heart, as I you know, whether you know, please you know, many of you call me a revivalist. I appreciate the the, the sentiment in that. Just, but I am who I am. I'm Chip. But part of being Chip is I have to carry what God's given me to carry. And it is a rev- the, revelations, the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. And I, and I keep coming back to John 17 where Jesus says two things. He says, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. That there was a glory that Jesus was speaking about at the beginning of this, at the context of this passage, that he was speaking about that God was restoring the same glory that he had in his divine nature, in oneness with the Father, now give it back to me. Because he had a purpose, he wanted to do something. And then he goes on, and then he explains that purpose later in the chapter, starting in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but for also those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also would be one in us. This is the mystery of Christ. It's not just that he died for our sins and that That yes, we are co-crucified, co-buried, but we are co-resurrected into oneness. And that he is calling us into the revelation of that, that the sons of God would be revealed. And he says this. This is, I mean, this is amazing. And the glory which you gave me, and I don't believe he's talking about the glory he had on the earth. I think he's going back to verse 5. The glory that you gave me in the beginning, before the earth was, I have given them. Chew on that for a couple months. And start believing this is who we are. This is the glory. The glory that Christ possessed when he was with the Father, before before there was a was. He is now given us, and we are just scratching the surface. And I believe that we're on the the preface of, I've been saying this for a long time, but I mean an awakening that is unprecedented, an awakening that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied before he died and gave to Lester Summerall of a wave of his glory that would come and would not ebb, it would just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and would sweep across the face of the earth. And I know that's what I'm called to. I know that's part of what my, my destiny is and the destiny of our family, whether they, they sometimes <laughs> wonder where we're going, um, but we're following the Lord. And so um, what does this mean? Well, a son, a true son, will leave his father and mother and step into his own life. And I have had a father and a mother Thank you. So, I mean, really, Doug and Cindy are, are mama and papa in this house. And just because his son leaves doesn't mean that he stops being his son. And it doesn't mean that he stops being a brother and sister. You know, you all are family. And we don't leave Didn't want, didn't want to do that. But anyway, um, we don't leave under any other terms than the term that we're family, and that we're love. That we that we love you, and that you love us. And that just because I'm a son stepping out into what God has for me in my next phase of my life, doesn't mean that you won't see us back in the house for family celebrations doesn't mean that we won't be in touch. doesn't mean that we won't be a part of the family and that when called upon, we'll be there when we're called upon. Does that make sense? We love you and we bless you. And we, we entreat you, please continue to pray for us. We are, we are in a journey and we know that God's, it's destiny. We know God's hands on us. We're not saying it's been comfortable, but we know that it's the hand of God. And we're looking, we're anticipating his goodness to surprise us and to overtake us. And that when that time does come, when we can declare the testimony that you would rejoin us and rejoice and celebrate with us. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: A lot of amazing things I can share about Pastor Chip, but for time's sake, I'll just do this one. In 2002, there was a movie called Drumline. It was about high school bands or university bands playing against each other. And at one stage, the one guy in the band who the movie was all about, he was the up-and-coming guy. He was going to take over. And then the leader of the band at that stage went to the coach or whatever you call him, I don't know. And the coach said to this leader, he said, can you remember when you were a youngster in the band, I made you the leader of your drum line? And he said, yes, I remember that. And then the coach said to him, do you remember what I said to you when I made you the leader of that drum line? He said, yes, I do remember. You said that I like the sound of the drum line more than I like the sound of my own drum. That's why you could trust me and make me the leader, even though I was so young. There were guys older than him in the band, but he was made the leader because he liked the sound of everyone together, the drum line, more than he liked his own sound. And that's Pastor Chip. He likes the sound of the kingdom more than he likes the sound of his own call and his own destiny and his own voice and his own opportunity and his own gifts and his own talents. He's kingdom minded, he wants the kingdom to go ahead. And God would say to you, my son, because you like the sound of the kingdom drum line more than yours, is promotion for you as well. God bless you.
2: That's great. Catherine, anything you want to say, baby? <laughs> I know. All right. We want to pray. Chip, I want to say this. I want to say I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, of the man that you are, and the man of God that you are becoming. And what God has in store for you is off the charts. I know it. I know I, I know it's going to be one of those times and moments where I say, you know, I know that man. You know, this person that is being talked about, being noted, being... You know, praised. I know that man. But I want to say thank you. You've been a good son. You still are. You've been a good man, a faithful, faithful man. No one, many people here would have no idea, you know, but of how you stood with me in tough times and tough moments, but you did, and I say thank you, and I love you with all my heart. Catherine, I love you with all my heart, honey. I love your children. So I want to invite our pastors, elders, and whoever else. Come up here. Chip, can, just, uh, can you move this? Just come out a little bit so people can just gather around you. and Thank you for this man as a part of our family. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all just gather around. Y'all love on them. Father, we are extremely grateful that today that we can lay hands upon this family. We can say thank you. And we can say, man, we are so excited for you as God sends you out. And as God shows you exactly what is the, the, the land that you are to step into, the things that you are to do. Father, we thank you that today as we pray for them. We release that from the heavens, Lord God, into reality now. Father, we thank you that even in a very difficult thing for Chip and Catherine to be able to say, listen, we, we've got to follow the voice of God. We've got to follow what he's saying. Even if we don't entirely understand it, And, Lord, I thank you, out of that that place of obedience, Lord God, Father, you